0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from
1: HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pallette and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he always does, is
0: senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Come to my window. I'll be home soon.
1: Ah uh, yes, because today we are talking about the next iteration of the Microsoft computer operating system. Well, actually, that's sort of a misnomer, but we'll get into that in a second. Yep. Or, or what we know about it since yeah. it's so far from release. Yeah, but, it's a developer
0: uh, release. It's Windows 8. Yes. Which is actually just a code name. It may not be called that once it hits the market sometime in the year 2012.
1: I'm hoping it'll be called Susan, <laughs> but I doubt it. Um.
0: So as Mr. Balmer said to NOS get away name, from him. An OS named Sue? Yes. Nice. A little man in black action right there. Um, so, yeah, we're... just trying to cash in. We, thanks. We don't even really know a whole lot about this operating system. We know bits and pieces. Ha <laughs> um, <laughs> ha, bits. <laughs> I see what I did there. Uh, but it's really... A lot of it will be revealed further down the line. And of course, you may be listening to this in 2013 in which case you're thinking, "Oh, wow, boy did they get that wrong." It's not our
1: fault. We still we still get every once in a while we'll get a uh, comment on our challenge for people to tell us what all seven versions of Windows were.
0: Yeah. Um
1: and, because and, there are more than just seven. And
0: it's funny because we always get messages like, no, no, you're wrong. I'm like, no, I'm not wrong. I took this directly from Microsoft. So <laughs> I mean, if I'm wrong, Microsoft's, Microsoft's wrong. Yeah. And they're the ones naming it, so take it up with them. So Windows 8 right now, we're just calling it that. Uh, we know it's because it's the Windows after Windows 7. Yes. But who knows what wacky name it'll have when it comes out. But it's really if you've if you've seen any pictures of it or seen any video of it. It's actually a pretty significant departure from the way the Windows operating system works right now. Mm-hmm. I mean it's – it like Windows 7 wasn't such a huge change from the previous versions of Windows that you felt like you were looking at something totally different. Mm-hmm. But Windows 8 kind of is.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm actually surprised you didn't quote Berlin at the beginning of this. Yeah. Um, because – it, 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 would be appropriate in this particular instance. Now, see, Windows 8 is right now, uh, a sort of <laughs> going back to one of Jonathan's old favorite words, convergence. Yeah. Because it's really, uh, it apparently isn't, I say apparently, of course, we're, we're still going on what we know of the operating system and things change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it apparently is designed to be sort of a go-between for Windows, mobile devices, not Windows mobile devices.
0: But no, mobile devices that that use use Windows Windows,
1: and computers that run Windows. Yeah,
0: desktops and laptops. Yeah, it's actually really interesting to me. I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, you could argue that up to a certain point, the smartphone operating systems that you encounter and even the tablet operating systems you encounter are trying to emulate the operating systems you find on desktops and laptops at least as much as they can given the limitations of the form factor of smartphones and tablets. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You I mean you want you want something that's acting as a foundation for programs and you want something that's easy to navigate and to uh you know you want a certain uh, uh file system built into there. A lot of the the models for the operating systems for these mobile devices are based, at least in part, off of desktop systems. Mm -hmm. And here we're seeing a fully fledged operating system that presumably will be on desktops and laptops that is starting to emulate what we find on mobile devices. Mm -hmm. So the two are coming together. It's just that, you know, while you might have expected the operating systems for mobile devices to get more and more sophisticated and approach the what we have for desktops and laptops, it looks like it's more like at least Microsoft's approach is to make the desktop laptop more like the mobile. And it might be because we are entering this post PC era where people are getting more used to interacting with an operating system in this sort of mobile model. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The, uh, when I was making my comment about Berlin, that's the band, not the city. Um, yeah. Earlier, it's because they had a, a, uh, a hit with the song Metro. Yeah. And the... If you've seen... If you've not actually held one of the uh, more recent Windows phones using the the latest version of uh, Microsoft's software... Um, If you've seen the commercials, at least, where you see the little different colorful boxes that you use to operate the operating system, that's what they call the Metro interface. Yeah. And Windows 8 appears to be trying to bring that to the desktop and laptop as well. Now, I think, from what I've read, it looks like you will have the option to go to a more traditional-looking Windows interface, but they're really pushing the Metro look.
0: Yeah, so if you – Turn on a smartphone or or tablet, something like that, uh, and you know every operating system has its own own features and its own uh, uh, traits. But in general, they all have a very similar kind of approach in that you've got these icons that are on the screen, mm-hmm. and you select an icon by touching it, and that opens up an app, and then you use various gestures to uh, to execute commands in, within that app. And uh, and, you know, this is something that people grasp pretty quickly. And in fact, uh, I, I've heard a lot of anecdotal evidence that kids pick up on this really, really fast.
1: Oh, I can, I can, yeah, it's more than just anecdotal. Yeah. I could
0: say this from personal experience. Well, that's it's, still anecdotal. It's, <laughs> well, for you, well. You didn't, I didn't do a double blind test, did you? Well, no, that's true. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but yeah, no, I get it. You've got personal experience. Now for right, me, right. for me, it's all secondhand because right, I, yes. I know my dogs still don't get the touch interface. My, um, my cats do. Yeah. Uh No, my dogs just don't care. The, uh but yeah, the, the, the point being that this interface seems to be very intuitive, very easy to to pick up, and the the learning curve is so easy that, unlike traditional operating systems, especially old operating systems, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have that huge barrier to be able to to pick up a device and just start working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the approach with this Metro system. And in fact, the Windows 8 operating system is built with touch screens in mind, at least Mm -hmm. partially. Oh, yes. Now – that, you know, it, it's pretty safe to assume that we're going to see a lot of different devices use touchscreens in the, in the near future, including things like desktops mm-hmm. and laptops. You, you can find them already on the market. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. So you've got these, these devices that traditionally did not use touchscreens. You just worried about using a keyboard and a mouse. Well, now you've got some out there that have touchscreens and Windows 8 is meant to leverage that and Make that a, a a pivotal part of your experience on windows eight now that's not to say you can't navigate through Windows eight with a keyboard and mouse you you can mm-hmm. it's just that you're not going to have you know you the the gestures that you would use on a screen are going to translate into different commands that you'll use with a keyboard and mouse right so the stuff that would be really intuitive if you had a touch screen might be a little more. Uh, complex if you're using the traditional mouse and keyboard setup. So, uh, but, but since we're moving toward that touch screen world, uh, it's not really something to be concerned about, especially since Windows 8 is not going to be released until 2012 when we're going to have even more products out there with touch screens.
1: Right. Yeah. I was going to, uh, I was going to say too that, um, uh, you could tell that they're, they're, they're just the paradigm, the whole entire paradigm is designed for that, too, because um, where the dock used to be on the traditional interface, it's actually moved over to the left. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's silly. Well, I don't know that this is the actual proper word, but I, I've seen those uh, the icons referred to as charms.
0: Yes. No, that's that's, that's the, the official, official name? word
1: charms. I was really hoping it was the set
0: of icons on the edge of. User interface, yeah,
1: which disappears, right? Right, yes. And you actually use a gesture to move it over.
0: Yeah, you swipe the screen uh, from the edge toward the interior, and that'll bring up the edge user interface, which has a set of five icons called charms. And those charms ha- are, relate to specific commands mm-hmm. like search. So let's say you're in you're inside an app. You know, it's not just when you're in the operating system, although it works that way too. Uh huh. Let's say you're inside an app or inside a document and you want to search that document for something. You could do that swipe gesture and it would pull up those basic commands and you could search that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, it also works within the operating system itself. So you're just looking at the OS view and you do that, that swipe and you can search for something just like you could, you know, in Windows that has the Windows search. Mm-hmm. That's in the operating system, it's the same basic thing. It's just built in a uh, a different the interface is different, but mm-hmm. the the actual application does the same thing it's always done. yeah um, you can also
1: swipe to get a menu bar. Um, mm-hmm. you get different different sets of information from uh, well actually, if you do from the top or bottom of the screen you should get a, a a list of commands basically contextual uh commands that you can use in that particular instance yeah. depending on what it is that you're doing and the apps are full screen so you know you're that's that's what you're going to see when you're using the uh the metro
0: and you're using there are two different basic types of apps there yes. are, there are metro apps mm-hmm. which are kind of what we think of when we think of smartphone or tablet apps yeah you know these are they tend to be Lightweight, they're designed to run within something called Windows Runtime, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a virtual environment, mm-hmm. um, and they're uh, written in uh, HTML5 or, or .NET programming languages. And I believe,
1: yeah, I was going to say you can you can also use the C family: C, C oh, okay. C sharp, uh, and Visual Basic.
0: So the, these tend to be a little more lightweight in the sense yeah. of you know they're they're not going to have the full huge amount of features that you're used to. With what the second type of app is called, which is the legacy apps. Yeah. Legacy apps would be things like if you wanted to use the full Microsoft Office suite with all of the features that come with Microsoft Office. That's more of a legacy app because it's got a lot more depth and breadth to it than a typical, uh, app would have. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you might be able to get like a, a simple word processing app, uh, as well which would have limited features compared to all the ones you would get with Microsoft Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Windows 8 will be able to run both of them. It's just that the Metro one, that's kind of what it's tuned to. And in a way, this makes sense to me because as we've talked about so many times in this podcast, uh, cloud computing is, is not going away anytime real soon. No. Right? So, I mean, so if you build an operating system that can take advantage of cloud computing in that the apps on the operating system itself are very lightweight and don't require a lot of resources, you can offload a lot of the heavy lifting to the cloud, and you don't need as many uh, really heavy-duty programs on the device itself. Right. You know, you just have like a very thin client that works with this cloud computer system. And um I, I think it's interesting that Windows 8 really seems to be embracing that because when you think about Microsoft, I mean, that's a software company. Yep. They're all about making those really uh, rich software applications. I was going to use the word compelling, but it's kind of hard to talk about spreadsheets being compelling <laughs> to the average person.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the operating system and the office suite are Microsoft's meat and potatoes. Yeah. Uh, if you will.
0: Mm, uh,
1: so, I mean, they, they have every reason to uh continue to update and and protect those products because they are, they bring in quite a bit of income. Uh, but it is interesting to note though, that they are, that it appears at this point that there's going to be just one version of Windows moving forward rather than the multiple versions we've seen in the last couple iterations. And that, version is going to be, is going to have to work on both ARM and Intel's processors. Yeah, that,
0: that is new. Um, before y- the windows were just run on, uh, anything that's running on x86 architecture. Right. And, uh, now it's going to be running on, um, ARM processors, which are, that's, that's new. That's kind of interesting. Um, it's, it's actually, that caused a little bit of stir when it was announced because, uh, there was, there was a lot of discussion about Google working with Intel and Microsoft maybe getting away from Intel a little bit, and it just it's one of those things where everyone's looking around wondering what's happening next in this in the world of of computers because these are relationships that span m- many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, they there are other some some other interesting things about Windows 8 that I thought kind of neat. Now, just like other versions of, of Windows, you can run multiple processes all at the same time. Right. You can multitask, in other words. Mm-hmm. And you can flip between the processes. So with a gesture, you can go from one to another, which, you know, for those old-time uh, Windows users there, you know, doing the, the alt-tab, alt-tab. Mm-hmm. yeah, alt-tab to go between. And that now still works flipping. on a keyboard. Yeah. And you can also snap. Oh, snap. Sna- snapping, uh, snapping though, is kind of like flipping. Like flipping would be a little casual uh, flick from uh, – uh, the leftmost edge of the screen and you flick it over and you've got a new, um, um, app showing up. Snap is where you hold your fingers against the screen while you do this. And it'll pull up a side by side view of two apps. Mm -hmm. So that way you can have multiple apps on the screen at one time because yeah, the apps, like, like Chris said, these are apps that are designed to go full screen. Mm -hmm. But if you want to have multiple apps on your screen at once, you can do that. Um, I've seen people who who are really good at this, who have, you know, they'll have multiple screens, mm-hmm. you know, multiple monitors, yeah. and then they'll have multiple applications open on each monitor, and they're like doing this weird, uh, uh, minority report thing where they're just looking at all the, I can't do that. <laughs> I have to have a single app per screen. I cannot have, I, I can't stand to have multiple apps in view and on a screen at the same time. I want as much screen real estate per app as I possibly can get. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, It it's just the way I'm wired. I can't, I can't handle it otherwise. So like if you see someone working in a smaller window in a word processor and they've got another window open with other stuff in it, I, I'm like, I, I don't understand you. <laughs> you must be from a different planet because that is not how I work. <laughs> um, but anyway, so you can still multitask on Windows 8. Uh, it's the developer one has a beta version of Internet Explorer 10 mm-hmm. included, uh, which, upon the the beta launch, did not support extensions, so you could not run Flash in it.
1: Yes, and I'm told. Uh, well, okay, I've read some information about that that suggests that that may not go away.
0: Yeah, so that might That's mean, not
1: because they haven't put it
0: in yet. Right. It might be intentionally left out. It might mean that Microsoft, like another big computer company that rhymes with Schmapple, <laughs> uh, has decided to really back HTML5 over the various uh, uh, platforms that extend HTML's usability, uh, like... Like Flash. Mm-hmm. Flash would be the big example. There's so many websites out there that depend on Flash to deliver the content to you. And uh, there's a problem with these extensions. the The main problem is that they introduce the possibility of security vulnerabilities mm-hmm. because they are beyond the control of the – uh, the company that is providing either the operating system or the browser. Yes. So if you've introduced vulnerabilities through these extensions, then you are putting your customer base in danger. So the idea behind HTML5 is that HTML5 will natively support these features that previously were not supported in HTML, thus the need for extensions. Right. And then you don't have to worry about mucking around with your web browser and adding in elements that could create vulnerabilities. Mucky, mucky, mucky. Yeah. So Internet Explorer 10 may very well not support Flash.
1: It's very interesting.
0: Won't stop you from downloading Chrome.
1: Will it work with Silverlight?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Um, really, I mean, I'm amazed that Silverlight is still around, tell you the truth. But it is. I know it is. But even, even when it tried to push for, uh, you know, massive market acceptance through things like, wasn't it the Olympics? Yeah. That, That, yeah, that, that you could watch, uh, Olympic footage, uh, by, by installing Silverlight, which is a different, you know, video component player. Well, not not just video, but rich internet yeah. interface. And and uh, again, just it, it's similar to Flash in that respect. It's something that is not natively supported by HTML. You have to incorporate it into it. It's just that Silverlight happens to actually be developed by Microsoft.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, another interesting feature is that uh, they have decided to change the way your computer handles things when it's not being used. Ah, yes. Um, there's a video I saw when I was doing my research on Windows 8 uh, from a Microsoft employee. I think it's actually on YouTube somewhere. Um, and she has a laptop. She's holding a laptop in, in one hand, and the battery for the laptop in the other hand. She said, okay, you need to watch this. And so she plugs it in, and that's a paraphrasing. She didn't say that exactly, I don't think. Right. Plugged in the battery, flips open the laptop, turns it on, and blammo, it's on. Basically. hmm this is because Windows 8 hibernates. It, it, it actually doesn't do, it, it actually doesn't store information the same way, um, that previous versions of Windows did. So you're, when you're booting, it's not a cold boot, uh, you know, like it would be for previous versions of the operating system. So right. when it boots up, it boots much faster, um, than, previous versions did.
0: Yeah, there's there's part of the 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 whole process is preloaded. Yes. So it doesn't have to go through the whole uh the whole routine. Um yeah, it's also got the the connected standby feature, mm-hmm. which is a power management mode. For the uh, for ARM-based versions of Windows 8, so that the, not not all chips, not all devices are going to take advantage of this, but the ARM-based ones will, and that allows the PC to operate at a very low uh, power level for mm-hmm. for long periods uh, when you're not using it. So, in other words, um, you don't have to worry about shutting down your system completely if you need to, uh, like you're going to go on a car trip or whatever, and you want to be able to to whip the uh, a, a particular app or map up or something at, at a moment's notice, but you're not going to have it on all the time. It should, at least in theory, <clears throat> keep that power level uh, nice and stable so that your your battery doesn't just drain away and, while your computer is in sleep mode or mm-hmm. whatever the other device is. You know, what the, I'm sorry, you were going to say something.
1: Well, I was going to say that I had read an article by uh, Chloe Albanesius in PC Mag in which she had uh, interviewed. Gabe All, who's a director of program management for Windows, and um, basically he was talking about how it how it works. Uh, it writes the information to a a hibernate file or hyperfile I think is what they called it, mm-hmm. um, and it just keeps all that uh, that information in the kernel, so that it's it's handy. Yeah, the, basically the the entire system state is sitting there in the kernel. So as soon as it gets to that point in the boot, it just goes, oh, here's where you are. And puts it back up.
0: Yeah, it makes that noise, too. Yeah, yep.
1: it does. I think that would be a little off-putting for people who are, you know, wait, Windows 7 didn't go...
0: Actually, it doesn't make that noise, but Chris will come up and stand next to you while you turn on your com- device and make that noise for you personally.
1: Yeah, just let me know when you get Windows 8 installed. Actually, that's interesting. We'll I love a sign-up sheet. Yeah. Uh, there, there is a developer preview available, and you yeah. don't have to sign up to be a developer to get it. Yeah, so, you can, uh,
0: members of the public are free to download yes. the developer preview. But you got to remember that the developer preview is not fully implemented. It's, yeah. It is it's, an early build and there's not all the functionality is there.
1: Yeah. You could say, try to install a copy in your virtual machine and it could never actually work right. I, I admittedly only tried it a couple times.
0: One of the two of us had that happen. The other <laughs> one didn't bother to try.
1: Yeah. So uh, not that I won't keep trying. and mm. just, you know.
0: So another, uh, right. another interesting feature, yes. which is again, creating something of I don't know that controversy is the right word, but it's creating conversations. Yeah. Is the, uh, the early load anti-malware feature. Oh, yes. So Windows 8 is going to have built into it an anti-malware function that will, uh, that will load early in the operating system boot process. Mm -hmm. And the idea here is that the anti-malware will load up before uh, some sort of, uh, other malware can be initiated during mm-hmm. the, the startup sequence. Cause a lot of malware, that's when it attacks, right? It's when your, your machine is booting up. The, the code has been put into your machine, but hasn't been activated yet until you reboot. So this would be, uh, <laughs> sort of like an antivirus software package that boots very, very early in the process so that it can try and capture that malware before it can do anything bad. And uh, of course what this really means is ultimately means that the people who make malware are going to revisit how they make malware and try and make some that can even beat the anti-malware to the punch. I mean that's the nature of – you know creating a uh, security versus the anti sec movement right i mean it's it's constantly a battle between the two sides um so but it is interesting also because it's it's raised questions about well if windows 8 incorporates this anti malware directly into the operating system what does that mean for third party uh computer security firms that that create anti malware software mm mm-hmm. Does that mean that Windows 8 is essentially saying, hey, you know, you don't need those guys because it's built directly into the operating system. And does it negate that business model for those companies? And, uh, cause you remember, you know, we've said on, on this podcast a few times, it may seem like a good idea to install multiple uh anti malware programs because you're like well, this way I've got you know it's like it's like hiring five really really sharp guards that're on the lookout for anything and and this one guard he's really good at looking at people who are sneaky in the dark and this other guard he's really good at stopping people who are really big and brawny and like you know the idea is somehow being that by by incorporating more anti malware feature programs we are You know, creating a a tighter net of security Mm -hmm. when in reality it means that we have all these different programs that are competing for the same computer resources to run and often will interfere with one another, sometimes identifying each other as malware and causing your system to crash. Yeah. So if this is built directly into Windows 8 what happens if you prefer a specific type of anti-malware program? Is it going to run smoothly within the Windows 8 environment without interfering with this anti-malware layer? I don't know. Yeah, of course, uh,
1: it's it's a good idea. You know, Let's say you've booted your computer into Windows 8 and it's got the anti-malware functionality and so everything should be okay. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't download a virus and have a non running copy. Uh, so it would be nice to have something go on and clean that off. You know, people who, uh, use other operating systems in a corporate environment are often asked to put, um, anti malware software on their computers and they'll, you know, maybe because if you are running, say, Linux and you share email with a bunch of people who are running Windows, that doesn't mean that just because the, the particular, uh, malware doesn't affect Linux computers doesn't mean you can't be a carrier and email that, uh, either knowingly or unknowingly to windows people and infect their computers too. So, you know, there, time that you, uh, that you can clean off a virus before transmitting it to somebody, and there will be many, many, many millions of computers that are still running older versions of the windows operating system without that anti-malware feature, um, you know so the the malware people are not going out of business just for this at least uh, not right away not
0: right away but it's it's one of those things where they're like well did microsoft just put an expiration date on our company
1: yeah but still they they will also have something to do even if it is completely uh, impervious to being
0: uh, beaten yeah well the uh to get back to what you were just talking about with uh with you know rebooting your computer without having to worry about malware. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of other features. And again, this makes it sound a lot more like a mobile device than an operating system for a for a desktop or laptop, cuz we just don't see this that frequently. yeah um, but the refresh your PC and reset your PC features. Yes. So refresh your PC, uh, Windows 8 will automatically back up all of the data on your machine. Um, all your personal files. and any, If you've customized Windows 8 in any way, it saves all those settings. And then what it does is it reinstalls Windows from scratch and then ports all those settings over into your new installed version of Windows 8. That's really nice. Yeah, so so if for some reason something's become corrupted and you need to be able to refresh your, your PC for some reason, sometimes that happens, uh, this does it automatically for you. So you don't have to worry about Porting all that information over to some external drive so that you can pull it back over once you've reinstalled. And reportedly, this only takes a few minutes, like five minutes to do, which is, that's pretty incredible too. Yeah. Um, I guess it, now granted, that process is probably going to take longer the more data you have. Oh, I'm sure. But, but the basic process of Reinstalling Windows is about a five minute long process. Mm-hmm. Now reset your PC. This is a lot like uh the setting you see on a lot of mobile devices, which is essentially restore factory settings. Yes. So you know you press this little command and it's gonna wipe everything off that computer and start it as if it just came out of the box. That'll also be nice. Yeah. I mean there are times again when you wanna be able to do that, especially if you've had you know, some sort of corruption or or malware uh, infection. Assuming that the reset will take care of that, uh, you might be able to to go back to a point where you weren't being plagued by problems.
1: Another uh, hint that the mobile and non-mobile worlds are are colliding violently is the Windows Store.
0: Yep. Um, which, and which might bear a certain resemblance to another app store. By a company that rhymes with Schmapple.
1: That's true.
0: Um, the the Schmack Schmap store.
1: Yeah. Well, that's and and I think though, um regardless of, of who came up with the idea, because I know people will complain. No, I mean I think it's a I think it's a great idea for uh for all the operating systems, frankly. I mean sure. just to have to have a, a place where uh developers can put their their apps up there for people to, to find and download. Um, that's one of the things that I liked way back when we did our Linux episode. I I really liked the, the ability to find, uh, applications for Linux in a feature built into the build of Linux itself. Yeah. And I said, man, it would be really great if windows and Mac could do this too. Well now they can do. (laughs) So, um, no, I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic to be able to do that. Um, but yeah they they are coming out with a a Windows store that from which you will be able to buy applications um and I'm sure that that will it will be sort of like the uh um the other application stores but it will have you will have the ability to run these apps on your Windows mobile device and your uh Windows 8 computer as well.
0: Yeah and and one other thing that I thought was really interesting to me mm-hmm. um it's very similar to the way Operating systems like Ubuntu allow you to uh, to you know you can run Ubuntu from a flash drive. Yes, from you a can. USB thumb drive. Mm-hmm. So you you know you don't have to replace the native operating system on your device if you want to run Ubuntu. You can just plug in a USB drive and you can either boot it. You know you can boot Ubuntu instead of your operating system, or you can even run it side by side. Yeah. Now. Uh, there are a lot of different reasons why you'd want to do that, but we won't. We don't need to really get into that. The reason why I bring it up is that Windows 8 actually has a Windows to Go feature mm-hmm. that will allow you to boot into Windows 8 from a USB drive.
1: That's really useful as well.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a – it's a new approach for Microsoft. It's not something that you would – I would not have expected it from from Microsoft, which that's a great compliment to give – a company as as old as Microsoft. Microsoft, of course, is like you think about. It, that's one of the companies that defines the standard. Yes. So when Microsoft does something innovative, that's big news because you, you don't really think of it as an innovative co- company, really. You think of it as like the dependable company that is sort of the the measuring stick that you use to to judge other companies by. And when Microsoft, which you know, you think of it as this big monolithic company that, you know, it's really hard to get stuff, uh, uh, moving. When something like this happens, uh, you, you're like, Oh, okay. You know what? I, that's my fault. It's a misconception in my mind of what this company is and what it's capable of doing. It's nice to see that. Now, whether or not it ends up being a feature that a lot of people take advantage of, that's another matter entirely, but it does mean that people will, potentially have the opportunity to test out Windows 8 and see if they like it before committing to that system. Now, granted, of course, just like any other Microsoft operating system, eventually this will be the standard. Mm-hmm. Essentially, on launch day, that's when you're going to start seeing it. Like all the all the PCs that run Microsoft from that point forward are going to have at least the option of running Windows 8. And then within a year or two, it's not even an option. It's standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, to that,
1: to that end, it's, it's hard to say since, uh, and if you're, you're intrigued by this other than the developer preview, you're, you want to get your hands on a a real copy of windows eight. It's going to be about a year from the time we're recording this apparently, which is, uh, in, uh, getting to the end of September, 2011. Yep. Um, so it's, it's going to be probably late summer, early fall, somewhere in there next year. Um, It'll be interesting, though, to see if they if Microsoft decides to release the operating system on a flash drive or some other medium, uh, other than DVD. Um, I,
0: I would imagine they might even do something similar to what Mac OS does, where mm-hmm. you can download it directly uh, and then uh, install it that way.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that would be very useful. Uh, for a lot of people, of course, mm-hmm. not everyone has a broadband connection. I think you're still they're still going to have to offer some kind of physical medium, sure, uh, from which they can you know they can load it onto a computer. But uh, you know, it, it I'm curious to see whether they're going to adopt something different um, when this actually comes out in in stores.
0: Yeah, and I can actually see a time where you know we've talked about again the post PC era. I can see a time where we get to a point where where, instead of laptop computers, that's what Chris and I tend to use at work. Mm -hmm. Instead of laptop computers, you get a tablet Mm -hmm. and you have a docking station at work. Yeah. And you just dock your tablet when you get to work and you've got a, a, you know, a, a keyboard, Bluetooth keyboard or, you know, maybe it's wired to the dock. It doesn't really matter, uh, that you use and you, you use your tablet as if it were a desktop while you're at work. But then when you're done, you can just, pop it out and then it's – it makes that noise too. (laughs) Pop it out and then you've got your tablet and you still have access to all the information or maybe you don't depending upon how they create the system. I mean maybe it's like you have access to some apps while you're at work and then in order to you know, secure that data, you don't have access to it when it's not in its docking station. But I could easily see that happening because, again, we're talking about – a future where cloud computing is taking over, so you don't necessarily have to worry about creating a device that's going to have a massive hard drive. Right. Uh, which, you know, that's, that's one of the things that takes up a lot of space, even with solid state, you know, you eventually that's going to put extra space in a, in a form factor that as we've all seen, people prefer the slim, sexy version of the tablet. They don't want just because just because something is capable of doing more stuff doesn't mean that people will go out and buy it because it might look a little clunky to them.
1: Yeah, and depending on what you're doing, you may not even need, you know, a, a ser more serious, powerful computer.
0: Yeah.
1: Um you know, people who, who do a lot of video editing and heavy graphics and, uh, that kind of stuff are still going to prefer desktop computers because they can use the pro, the extra processing power. I mean, you right. can't, you still can't put a, a high end processor as high end a processor. Let me, let me clarify that in notebooks simply because of the heat.
0: Yeah. It generates so much heat that it will actually make the, the components within the device start to malfunction. Uh, you have, that's why you've got like these, that's why when you hear about gamer rigs, like the really super advanced ones, mm-hmm. you'll hear about things like water cooling or nitrogen cooling. I mean, yeah. you talk about some pretty crazy cooling systems in order to keep a, a handle on the heat.
1: Yeah, just and not just because of the main processor, but also for the graphics processors as well. Yes. Um, and also the uh, 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 amount of power that it draws. And of course, yep. from there, you go down to the tablet and you, you you have to take another cut because, uh, you know, it can't the form factor will not allow you to use as powerful a processor
0: yeah you you don't even have necess- you may not have any way of cooling that yeah. tablet other
1: than you know waving it around in the air
0: right because it's not you know the form factor doesn't allow you to have a fan
1: right but depending on what you're doing you may not need all yeah. that kind of power and, I- and an operating system like windows 8 could take advantage of uh an environment where you say you know what i only want to carry this you know two-pound device or one-and-a-half-pound device with me. I don't want to carry a full-size laptop. I don't need a full-size laptop.
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely see this being the future of computing. And not necessarily – when I say the future not for of computing, everyone, but yeah, it's not going to be for everyone. And it's not necessarily going to be the Windows 8 model yeah. because uh, – Microsoft's not the only company doing this, so um, I'm not. I don't mean to suggest that Windows 8 is the future of all computing, but that this model, this approach to computing, to me looks like a pretty good bet that this is the future. So it may not be – have the Windows brand name, but it will probably have a very similar approach. Yeah. So I think that wraps up this discussion. Yeah. We, we
1: might revisit it in the future when we know more detail. Yeah. When you know, we, maybe when it when it finally comes out, when we really know a lot. When, when
0: we're actually it, using it. Windows 8, which will be yeah. sometime around 2022. Um. Yeah, my Windows 95 is going really slowly today for some reason. So, guys, uh, if you have any suggestions for topics we should tackle, then I think you should email us. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com or drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. You can find us there with the handle techstuffhsw. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon.